time is where everything begins, begins again. Welcome to the Mid the Pines podcast, a place where Grove City College alumni and faculty give voice to their unique stories, contributions, and accomplishments. Our community is blessed with many individuals who are often recognized for their proficiency, purpose, and principles, all celebrated hallmarks of the distinctive Grove City College education. Learn more about their God-given callings and the work they are undertaking for the common good. These are their personal and professional stories. Hello, this is Amy Evans from Grove City College. Welcome to Mid the Pines. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with alumna Lissa Yannick. Lissa graduated from Grove City College in 2010 with a degree in psychology and a minor in family studies. Lissa is here to share her inspiring journey from Grove City College to where she is today. To give you a preview into our discussion, we're going to discuss her career as a licensed professional counselor, her pursuit as a life coach, and the adversity she faces as a two-time cancer thriver. Lissa is passionate about empowering others and explores how our mindset, attitude, and habits transform adversity into opportunity, something she's learned from her own journey. She shares some of her life coaching on her show, The Glow Getter Podcast, and she works professionally one-on-one to provide coaching and resources through her website at lissayannick.com. If you're looking to live a full, rich, and meaningful life, keep listening. Lissa's story will include just that, and I'm confident her journey will be relatable and inspirational, making this a podcast you'll want to bookmark. Lissa, I'm so excited to talk with you today. Thank you for taking the time to join me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I would love to know your connection to Grove City College. Can you tell us a little bit about what brought you here and your major and just kind of your story while you were here? I, from the first visit to Grove City, knew that it was where I wanted to go to school. I've had a handful of experiences in my life where I've had that gut feeling that somewhere was like where I should be or something that I should pursue. And I definitely felt strongly about Grove City. I knew right away. Um, I love the campus. Obviously, it's beautiful. And I looked around and I could just see myself like going there. And then I wanted to pursue music because Mm -hmm. music has always been something that's been really special to me. Like even before I played instruments like my dad doesn't even play an instrument, but he loves music. And so we really connected over that. It's a very like sentimental thing. So I was a music education major and I part of the reason I wanted to go to Grove City, I met with Dr. Arnold when I got there. He was so warm and welcoming. And it was just my decision was like made up right away. Um, So when I was there, I started out as music education And as I like went to the classes, I realized that music for me was a very personal thing. And I was so uh, I wanted to keep it kind of sacred, like I didn't want to have it become my job. And so around the same time, I attended a child psychology class uh, with Dr. Horton, who's like one of my favorite professors. And he, that class just like hooked me. I, we were talking early on in the semester about how you could use the creative arts to work with kids. And I just felt like 
that's the path that I should be pursuing. And really teaching and uh, helping kids through therapy to use the creative arts as a coping skill, which is really what it was for me. So I switched my major freshman year uh, to psychology with a minor in family studies. And I think that's something that I'd like to normalize a little bit. I think we should hold loosely, you know, to what we think we should be doing and really be willing to make changes as we grow and learn. Like we don't have to stay the same as we were when we were 15. So yeah, <laughs> that is so <laughs> true. Yeah, we, I mean, it's just so important to be able to reassess and make changes. Mm-hmm. And I think I felt initially sort of guilt, like around, like it was quitting or something. Sure. Yeah. Even though I knew it was right for me and I, I just paid off. I ended up in a field that I loved and, you know, still got to do music stuff on campus. So it was great. That's awesome. Yeah. What type of involvement did you have on campus, like with music, but then other extracurricular activities? Um, yes, I did symphonic orchestra, um, marching band my first semester. Okay. I'd never done marching band before. That was a first. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, it was a cool experience, but it was it was definitely a first. And then cheerleading. Mm hmm. Um, and ICO Guatemala. It was really life changing. I ended up going every year, like when I was there. Hmm. And um, and then my freshman year, I did rush for Greek life, but I decided to wait until okay. sophomore year um, just because I liked a bunch of groups. But I was like, I don't feel a strong pull and I want to make that decision based off of feeling really pulled. So um, sophomore year, I joined Theta Alpha Pi with several friends and a lot of women I really respect and admire. So it was a really, really special time. My husband, Jay, also went to Grove City. Okay. And we talk about how special that time is. Like mm-hmm. you're living with your friends. You're doing so many things. Like everything's right on campus. You're walking everywhere. It's just like a really special time in life. So I couldn't agree more. Yes, that's really cool. So your husband, you Mm -hmm. mentioned Jay, Mm -hmm. you met him at Grove City College. Can you walk us through that story? Yes. Um, It's kind of ironic because Jay's grandma was pretty um, instrumental in my life growing up. She went to my childhood church. And so She played the piano and always encouraged me to play the piano at church. And she found out I was going to Grove City and was like insistent. Like she like lit up and was like, you have to meet my grandson. Like he can just help you adjust to campus, you know. And both Jay and I, like we've discussed it later and we were both just like, no way. Like I am not interested. Like we did not. We were not vibing at all on it. And so both of our parents were like, just do it for Grandma Pete, you know, like make her happy. And then, you know, you don't have to date, just meet them, you know. And so we ended up, I'm going to date us because we ended up meeting with a very awkward handshake in the Elephant and Castle parking lot, which I don't think is there anymore. It's now called Margarita King for some okay. people who are here, but yes, right before yes. the outlets. Yes. And both of our families were looking on like both grandparents, both of our grandmas, both sets of parents, Jay's sister and brother-in-law and both of our brothers 
just watching us awkwardly meet. And oh my goodness. it was like, it was just, I mean, my grandma, I got back in the car and she was like, I don't think that's ever going to happen. I just, because oh. we were so awkward about it, but she ended up being right. And wow. we hit it off. And um, the hardest part after that was telling her we were dating because we knew that she would be like over the moon about it. So <laughs> we wanted to like, you know, manage her expectations. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is so great. Yeah. That's so crazy though. So the connection from church and had no idea he didn't go to the same church. Yes. No. I mean, That's we so... probably had paths cross at some sure. point, but like, no, I had cool. never met. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Grandma. Oh, Pete, wow. She knew. <laughs> So you had a lot of these seeds planted at Grove City College. What has your story and your career looked like after Grove City College? Mm. After Grove City, my husband and I got married. And then I went to Virginia Beach. We moved together um, so I could pursue my master's there. And I knew Grove City was academically challenging because I definitely had to like ramp up my studying when I was there, even though I studied a lot in high school, like. Mm-hmm. It was just a different, a different realm, I guess. And, but when I went to get my master's, I was like, so well prepared for school. I had already really engaged with a lot of the content and it was a natural, you know, feed in. I didn't feel like I was like behind. So mm-hmm. um, I did that and then moved right into residency for licensure Um to become a a licensed professional counselor and a registered Mm -hmm. play therapist and did that for several years. We moved back to Pittsburgh and I worked at a private practice for several years and then had some life events, some health stuff pop up. And it's kind of like the timing was just very natural anyway to shift into coaching work. I've noticed my clients, like your clients take a shift based on how you're personally growing as a therapist, it's really interesting to watch that happen and just sort of honor and follow that process. And Mm -hmm. I noticed my clients were shifting from children, like play therapy, to a lot more like women, the parents, you know, started kind of like talking and it was a lot more women seeking more coaching type work. So Eventually, I just made the full shift and did um, some training for coaching and moved into that and did that virtually and also with some some Chick-fil-A directors so and restaurants. So it's been great. It's been a good shift. You kind of briefed this a little bit, and I wondered if you would mind going into more detail. You talked a little bit about having some health issues come up during your time and being in your bio. We talked a little bit about being a two time cancer thriver, which I love that you use that word Mm -hmm. um, thriving. And so could you talk with us and share with us just what that journey has looked like for you and when that started to kind of happen and influence where you are today? Yeah, sure. So. In 2015, my husband and I moved back from Virginia Beach to Pittsburgh area. And just a few months later in 2016, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. Um, I had just taken a job at the private practice. Jay had just started at his restaurant. So it was really out of nowhere (laughs) and Mm -hmm. very, I mean, there's never a good time, but it was a very bad time. (laughs) Um, So... But I, 
I, I'm a strong believer that like God brings you where you need to be and surrounds you with the people that you need to be surrounded with. And we were so well surrounded in that season. We were so grateful to be back home near mm-hmm. family and friends. Um, our professional environments were so supportive, even though they were new, they were incredible. And um, I was able to work still um, during the uh, like chemo and, and all of that. And I was just in such a supportive environment and that that helped a lot. So after I went through treatment, I was declared cancer free and I was cancer free for about two and a half years. And in 2019, my cancer progressed and came back as stage four. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at that point that I'd already been feeling that stirring towards coaching like I talked about. I knew I had to get serious about making some life changes. I had already worked on some lifestyle changes, but it was like the rubber was meeting the road. And I was like, this is now a long term thing. Like we have to figure out what our life needs to look like to support, you know, my health Um, and also kind of just living life. You know, you don't want I think for me, I realized when I was rediagnosed that like. I would have gotten to the end of my life and worked so hard and been like, well, did I live at all? Like, what did I actually do with my life? And I think it opened my eyes that professionally I was just chasing and working so hard and chasing all these accomplishments, like wanting to be impressive. But like the success was empty because Mm. I wasn't measuring it with meaningful things. And so even though like being diagnosed was and still is hard. Mm -hmm. I think the professional changes that it brought about and the lifestyle changes have been so freeing. I think God graciously strips us of what we need to be stripped of. And I think that for me, it was just like empty striving. Like I, God was like, I'm going to take this from you because this isn't serving you, you know? It's really damaging your health and kind of watering down your impact. Well, that's really powerful. And it's interesting with just what I have read from your bio online and your website and so forth, you're coaching others to have that positive perspective through adversity. Yes. And it's just really cool to hear you talk about that in your own experience. Is that what has really shifted your life coaching towards women to, to that ability to make an impact and see the fruits of your labor because you're living something as you're coaching other people through their own stories, but Mm -hmm. you can feel what it looks like to take adversity and turn it into opportunity. Mm, That's a good question. I think um, in a lot of ways, it's like when you discover this like beautiful place and you just want to share it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that's how it feels. It's like, I know what it feels like to just be going through the motions and feeling like life is just this string of obligations. Facing your mortality, you just realize how how time is the only thing that we can't make more of and we can't get that back. And so it's I think there's this for me, there's this sense of urgency to share that beautiful place Mm -hmm. because whatever stage you are at in life, like you only get to live that stage one time, you know, you Mm -hmm. don't get to go back and do it again. And so I think like for people who feel that downtrodden, like life's never going to get any better. And 
things are just so hard and finances are tough and and my health is this or my child's struggling with this like all of that is true and it's real but there's also a lot of things that you can leverage and take control of to to make your life something that you love now versus like thinking that it'll it'll be something I love when this thing goes away mm-hmm. and the reality is like a lot of our things are not going away you know my things probably not going away like it's even if I am cancer free at the moment but even with that it's still there you know I still we carry our adversities with us but we're free to live our life beside them I hope that answered your question. Yes, and more. Absolutely does. Is there like advice that you give for someone and um, ways that you look to kind of keep that outlook, you know, when things Mm. do happen or Mm -hmm. when life does feel like it's just by the motion? How do you get yourself into that frame of mind set Mm. that helps you live to the fullest? I think there's two things. The first, it's a little bit more subjective. And then the second is a little more like objective. So the first thing that I think is important is letting go of the belief that your life has to look like everybody else's, that -hmm. there's like some normal out there that someone's living and you don't get to live that normal. And I think when adversity comes into our life, it's so tempting. And I still struggle with this to look at everybody else and think, well, how come I don't get that? Like, why don't I get to live my life that way free of whatever burden or adversity, you know, is in your life? And there is I think the secret is like there is no normal. Everybody is living a life that they need to live to become who they need to be in the world, like at this immediate moment. Mm -hmm. And if you can accept what's there, and I I cringe a little at like the thought of like, oh, see it as a gift, because I know that sounds so cheesy and I've heard it before and I've told myself that and I, there's a balance, like you have to grieve and recognize reality Mm -hmm. at the same point, like, for me, I think it's just like receiving with gratitude from God, like what he's given you in your life and asking like, what do you want me to learn from this? And what do you want me to do with this? Like, Mm -hmm. because believing in God, like automatically then means that the things he's allowing into your life are there for a reason. Um, So that would be my first thing. Mm hmm. And the second thing is a little more like applicable, but I think it's so important to really be intentional with setting a vision for your life and a life plan. Like I'm a big believer in a life plan. I don't think anyone's too young to have a life plan or too old to have a life plan. Mm -hmm. And working backwards from that. So if this is your vision for your life and your big vision for your life, then what does that look like um, on a yearly basis, on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis? Because if you can feel like every day you're getting traction towards that vision of your life, then all the other gunk that comes with life and will be there feels less oppressive. And I think it guides then also how you edit your life. Like, 
looking at your calendar and getting real, like, do these things bring me closer to that vision? And if they don't, why am I doing them? You have to almost be like kind of ruthless about it, you know, mm-hmm. and and fearless really was saying in this season, like this isn't for me and being OK with saying no, which is really hard. I probably edit my life. Quarterly, like I go through and really am like serious about it every day, like I have five goals that I write out every day, but they're not I old me would have been like goals are like, I want to, I don't know, like grow this percentage, you know, in my business or do that. But my, my goals now are related directly to the vision of my life. So it's like pursuing daily rhythms that create the feeling that I want in my life of joy and freedom and gratitude. And so I'm engaging with that vision every day. And it takes like two minutes, you know, you don't need a lot of time. You just need to have like the consistency and intention. Absolutely. And persistence. Yes. Yes. Did you know the Grove City College Office of Alumni and College Relations hosts and sponsors events across the country and around the world each year? From smaller Grover gatherings in alumni homes to a Pittsburgh Pirates spring training game in sunny Bradenton, Florida, and mixers at up-and-coming startups like Pittsburgh-based and alumni-founded Gecko Robotics to domestic and international travel trips to unique destinations like Egypt, Alaska, and the European holiday markets, Grovers connect and celebrate the college throughout the year. If you're interested in attending an event, visit alumni.gcc.edu backslash events to learn more. You can also inquire about hosting an event in your home or around your area by emailing us at alumni at gcc.edu. Can't wait to see you soon. Lissa, you were sharing with us a moment ago, just your health journey and also just like your vision and having to edit some of your life. You do that on the quarterly. Would you walk us through um, being so passionate about life coaching? You kind of implement that into your own life. What Mm -hmm. are you doing when you need to kind of take care of yourself? How do you edit Mm -hmm. your day in, day out, um, Mm -hmm. especially with just all you've been going through um, personally? What does that look like? This is a learning process for me, to be honest. I think before I was diagnosed, I was someone who really silenced um, my body often. I was not respectful of like the red flags of like, hey, you know, you should slow down or maybe we should like eat sooner, like stuff like that, (laughs) like, you know, and it was just I would just power through and I kind of treated myself like a machine which is very, I'm an Enneagram three. So that's very Enneagram three of me that I've really been working on. Um, Honestly, I think honoring my body is the first thing. So obviously there are days and there are seasons in life when you just are not able to go ham on like taking care of yourself. That just, it's not reality in some seasons. But I do think that there are non-negotiables. And so for me, those non-negotiables are done every single day, like no matter what I have going on. And I make sure they don't take a long time. So I think time is the the biggest barrier to taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so the things I do, they're like just slight shifts on things I'm already doing, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be something that's going to, I'm going to be discouraged from doing if I have a long day. So I gratitude journal every morning. Mm -hmm. um, and I just write down five things I'm grateful for from the day before and write down that vision for the day. Um, and I also do some type of meditation like every day. Um, mm -hmm. That doesn't have to be a long thing. I think we hear meditation and we think it's going to be like two hours long. You can do like a minute and it honestly will change how you feel for the remainder of the day. But beyond those non-negotiables, if I notice I'm feeling really run down and cranky and like, usually I get teary eyed and irritated and I'm like, you know, that's usually a sign to me, like things are not good. <laughs> um, I really ask myself, how am I feeling? What do I need? And I honor that need in whatever way I can. And so if it's been a really busy day and I need quiet, like I'll be pretty verbal with Jay and I'll be like, hey, I'm going to go just get myself together for like five minutes and then I'll be back. Mm -hmm. I just need some quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, you know, another thing I often need is like self self nurture. And it's something I've learned. Like I said, I wasn't very nurturing of myself. And so I'll do that by like, um, if I have a long day of appointments, like treatment days, for example, sure. those, those are days when it's hard for me to take care of myself. And I do little things like I'll get a diffuser going before I leave the house. So I come home to that little ways to be kind you know, to myself, it makes a huge difference. What types of um, coaching experiences are you giving and offering for people? As we've also tossed out your website, alissayannick.com yeah. um, yeah. for people to look into. Mm -hmm. But what does that look like? If someone wants to be um, coached by you, what are the types of things you can help them through? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a great question. So recently this, this year, I made the decision to, I was seeing a lot of one-on-one -on -one clients and this has been another like shifting year for me. Mm -hmm. um, so we just have a lot of like, like life changes coming up. And um, so I'm moving more into course creation and content creation so that I can connect with uh, more people and sort of mm -hmm. offer those um, those types of experiences for more people. Um, but working one on one, often what it comes down to is honoring the immediate experience. So uh, I think we undercut ourselves a lot and we say like, oh, I'm going through this, but it'll be fine. Or like, this is happening, but it's good. Like, mm -hmm. and really letting yourself grieve, like where your life is and where you thought you would be. Cause I think that's mm -hmm. a lot of people seeking coaching are seeking it because they're at a breaking point. They're, they're frustrated. They're overwhelmed with their life. They're feeling like their life is just all have to do's and nothing that they're choosing. Hmm. Um, and so I think part of that is grieving, like just what you thought. It, usually there's something you thought your life would be and it's not. And mm -hmm. grieving that is important. And then being honest with yourself about like, okay, so this is where my life actually is. This is mm -hmm. what I'm dealing with. And this is the portion of my life that I have some sort of power over or control over. And there's usually a little bit more than you think you have control over. 
And so that's where we start moving into working through emotional and relational boundaries. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a huge theme, like early on in coaching, because most of us haven't learned how to communicate boundaries and emotional boundaries in particular really start with ourselves, like recognizing what emotion we're actually feeling and how to communicate that to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really giving ourselves the space to move through those emotions. So I'm feeling angry. Well, healthy emotional boundaries don't say you made me feel angry. It's I feel angry because, and this mm-hmm. is the messaging I'm receiving from this situation. So um, emotional boundaries are a lot about like owning your experience. And I think we just don't learn that. Like there is right. no class on emotional awareness and communicating those. <laughs> like We don't know how to do that. So boundaries are a big thing. And I think the emotional piece comes and, and also then the physical and relational piece with like making space in your life and mm-hmm. accepting what that looks like. And if you're editing your life and making space in your life and you're prioritizing your big things, you're going to say no to a lot of stuff and right. a lot of good stuff. And that doesn't mean the good stuff isn't good. It just means you're prioritizing the great that aligns with you. Yeah. Um, so boundaries is really big. And then like it gets down to the nitty gritty of daily life, like your routines and habits. And usually that's around. I think the special thing about coaching is coaching is focused on how you want your life to feel. I think we initially assume that coaching is about setting goals Mm -hmm. like sales goals or savings goals or um, professional goals. But actually what coaching is, is like, how do you want your life to feel and how do we get it to feel that way? Right. And that is the guiding factor behind goal setting. And before I did coaching training, I actually never understood that. I would say I was very goal oriented, but I didn't know how to set meaningful goals for my life. They were empty goals. And that's why like the art of goal setting is so important in coaching because you don't want your clients to go through a whole series, get to the end of the series and be like, I still feel like... I made I made progress, but it was meaningless progress for me. So, yeah, yeah, there's those are the main stages. Everyone's different, I think, based on where they're at. But I find those are like usually repeated themes. Sure. And how would someone know? So it, it makes me think personally, what are my goals? But how do I know? Mm-hmm. If I'm really lost on what they might be, is mm-hmm. there a resource or a way that people can reflect on mm-hmm. deciding what that goal is or those visions are for their life yes. without comparing to other people, like you said yes. earlier? Yes, that's so good. That's such a good. That's such a good reflection, especially the comparing piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing I think is identifying your personal values. So. Mm-hmm. It's super easy, just a values assessment. Um, and it seems so simplistic. It's just a bunch of values written on a page. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's nothing magical about the values <laughs> assessment. But you set a five minute timer and you really look for the values that resonate with you to your core, not the things that have been projected on to you, like as mm-hmm. a person. So for example, 
um, I heard a lot growing up, you know, you're, you're a perfectionist. You're such a perfectionist, but being a perfectionist doesn't feel good to me. Right. And so I wouldn't choose that as a value, even if someone said that about me. Does that sure. make sense? It makes perfect sense. Yes. <laughs> so you you choose the values that resonate with you in your core and, and you narrow it down to five. Okay. Um, and so that is a really good guiding point. And then I also love uh, it's a book called Living Forward by Michael Hyatt. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about your life plan. Um, and teaches you how to like edit and create a life plan and reassess. Um, and that has been really helpful too, because it, it gives you direction. And I think it gives you a filter for your life. Like there's so much coming in at all times, so much information, so many requests, so many things that like, it almost feels initially easier to not filter. Like it's mm-hmm. like, I'm just going to say yes, because I'm just so tired. Like, just <laughs> yes, you know, but then you're overextended and overcommitted and you feel out of alignment and frustrated with your life. And so the life plan and your values are just a really helpful filter to put in place initially to guide what your days should look like to feel good. Mm-hmm. So that's great. That's really helpful. And I love the book reference. Um, so something that that we can all dive great. into. Yes, <laughs> that book's great. There's also another good book too, um, Happiness by Tal Ben-Shahar. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one's also really helpful with getting to the nitty gritty of like your daily life and having the freedom to kind of tweak it so that it feels better for you. So that's a really good one too. Lisa, thank you for sharing your story, being vulnerable to share your health story specifically mm-hmm. with us. Um, you have been such an encourager during this conversation, and it's just exciting to know ways that you're helping others pursue that happier, more vibrant life. Um, it's definitely been felt in the conversation. So thank you for joining us on Mid the Pines. Thank you so much for having me. I, I was so glad to be here and talk with you. So thank, thank you. Thank you. Home is where everything Thank you for listening to the Mid the Pines podcast. Explore more episodes at alumni.gcc.edu slash podcast. Our co-producers are Joni Baumgartner and Amy Evans. Research provided by Janice Zinsner Inman, class of 1987. Audio editing is provided by Jennifer Hiles. Our theme music is Home, courtesy of the family of the late David M. Bailey, class of 1988. Contact us at alumni at gcc.edu for more information. We hope you'll join us again, Mid the Pines.